Second Peter, I'm teaching a series that we're calling Living in Truth. Living in Truth is the series. Now, Second Peter chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. Second Peter 3, verses 17 and 18. And I'm sorry, Brother Golf, I've still got your... Second Peter, chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, beware, lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. But, look at what he says now, verse 18, but do what? Grow. Grow in grace. Grow in grace. And in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Grow in grace and grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Peter is giving us a mandate. We need to grow. We need to grow. And so that is my subject this morning, is simply growth. Growth. Now, as I said, this is lesson three. Um, we don't know how many parts to lesson three, but it's lesson three. Our first lesson, we talked about your new life. We talked about the new birth and coming into the family of God. And second lesson, we talked about commitment. And, and now today we're going to talk about growth. Amen. Would you put your Bibles down? Let's, let's lift our hands and lift our voices and let's ask the Lord to have his way in the remainder of this service. Let's pray together, everyone. name. Let's worship him one more time before we're seated, everybody. Let's worship God. Let's give him some praise in this house. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. 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 God bless you. You may be seated. Now, I think that perhaps because it has been so many months since I went through this, it might be good for me just to go back and mention again, as I said, we dealt with this in our first lesson, but that was around the first of the year that um, I, I started that lesson. And we're talking about growth. We're talking today about reaching a place that uh, we have matured spiritually. But I think it would be good if we just go back and remind ourselves why growth is important. Growth is important because we've been born anew. We have been born again. After any birth, there needs to be growth. Now, you know, that, that little baby... Um, I'm telling you, when, when my children were born, my grandchildren were born, every one of them were just the most beautiful creations I'd ever seen in my life. 
Now, not everybody else's baby is that beautiful, but. But my, my kids and grandkids were just beautiful. That's just the way I felt about it. But I'm going to tell you, as beautiful as they were, if they still looked exactly the same three months later, I wouldn't think that's beautiful. If they still looked exactly the same six years later, I wouldn't think that's beautiful. I'm going to expect them to grow. Praise God. So this, this birth process, let's go back and talk about this for just a minute. John chapter 3, and um, I tell you what, I've, I've got just verse 5, but, but get your Bible and let's, let's read a little bit more here today because I want to make sure everybody is on the same page. Let's go back and read a little bit more of this conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. John chapter 3, and, and let's start with verse number 3. John 3 and 3, Jesus answered and said unto, said them, unto him, Verily, 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 I say unto verily, thee, I say, or truly, truly, I tell you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, let's talk about this for just a moment. Let's talk about this for just a moment. I want you to notice the word except. Grammatically, that turns this phrase, except a man be born again, into what is called an exception clause. All right? It's an exception clause. So in other words, there is some rule to which this clause is added. When you look at the sentence, are you with me today? When you look at the sentence that's here, the first part of it is an exception clause that's added to the rest of the sentence. So what is the rest of the sentence? The sentence states that he cannot see the kingdom of God. He is a pronoun referring back to the noun man. So, and in this case, it's not talking about the male gender. It's talking about everybody, all of humanity. So here is the statement that Jesus made. Men cannot see the kingdom of God. That's the rule. That's the rule. From the moment we're born into this world, we are born lost. We're lost. We've got, we've got to be saved. The Bible said that no man can enter the kingdom of God. That's the rule. You just can't, you can't even see it. But thank God there's an exception. Now, nobody can see the kingdom of God except those that are born again. So if you're born again, then he makes an exception for you. And you can see the kingdom of God if you're born again. But you can't, otherwise, you cannot see it at all. I don't care how good you are. I don't care what church you belong to. I don't care if you're... Daddy and granddaddy and great-granddaddy were preachers. I don't care if you've been blessed by the Pope. I don't care what's going on in your life. The rule is the only people that can see the kingdom of God are those that are born again. That's it. So then we're obligated to find out what it means to be born again. 
What does that mean? Now, if that means being a member of church, fine. If that means accepting the Lord as your Savior, fine. If that means just believing on Christ, fine. But we've got to find out what it means. We can't just make up our own definition. Because Jesus said you can't be saved otherwise. So Jesus tells Nicodemus that unless you're born again, you can't even see the kingdom of God. So what comes next? Nicodemus saith so unto Nicodemus him. Nicodemus asks the question that we need to ask. How can a man be born when he is old? Tell me how this happens. Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? What in the world do you mean by born again? That's the question, right? Everybody agrees? That's the question. So Nicodemus is asking the question that we've got to ask. He's wanting to find out from Jesus, what do you mean by this? Now, if Jesus says, well, what I mean is you believe on the Lord or you accept the Lord or you join a church. If, if Jesus says any of those things or something else, whatever Jesus says is the answer to the question, what does it mean to be born again? So let's give the answer from Jesus. Jesus answered. Verse 5, Jesus did what? Answered. Jesus did what? So he answered. That means he's responding to the question. He's not just making another statement. Jesus didn't go off on a tangent and start talking about some other subject. He's answering the question, how a man can be born again. And here's his answer. Verily, verily, I say unto truly, thee. Truly, truly, I tell you. Except a man be born of. There's that exception clause again. Except a man be born be of water. Born. Now that's the same as what he said the first time. But now he's going to explain what that again means. Starts out the same. You see that? Except a man be born. It's the same exception clause, but now he offers clarity and explanation. Except a man be born of water, of water and of spirit. And of the spirit. He cannot enter he into the kingdom of God. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So Jesus says again, man can't enter God's kingdom. But I do provide an exception. If you'll be born of water and born of the Spirit, you can get in. But if you're not born of water and born of the Spirit, you cannot get in. That's it. There's no other way to get in except that. This is the one exception Jesus gives. You've got to be born of water. And you've got to be born of the Spirit. Now, what does that mean? How, what, what does it mean to be born of water? Well, why don't we let the Bible answer that question for us? Go over to Acts chapter 2. And, and let's find verse 37. Now, now, listen, one of the rules of Bible interpretation is that you always look for the first time something's mentioned. You want to understand the subject, go back to the first time it's mentioned. There is significance in the first mention of any biblical subject. And you will never thoroughly understand a subject in the Bible if you don't go back to the first mention. Usually in that first mention, God gives something, some detail, something that he may never repeat again. But it's going to offer us 
clarity on the subject. For example, the Bible talks a lot about creation. Even says that God created the world in six days and rested on the seventh. That's throughout the scripture. But there's only one place where we can find that he created light on the first day. That he created the land animals on day six. There's only one place we can find that, and that's the first mention. Now, God never repeats it after that. There's never another place in all of the Bible where God tells us what day he created what. So just because you can't find it again doesn't mean it changed. God established this truth the first time it's mentioned. And after that, any reference to creation refers back to this story. So the same thing is true here. Now, we are about to read in Acts chapter 2. Here's the thing about Acts chapter 2. Jesus has, has uh, died, was buried, resurrected, and, and spent 40 days with his disciples teaching them and then ascended into heaven. And some 10 days later, his disciples are gathered in an upper room in Jerusalem. And, and so... Up until this point, there is no church. There's no church. Jesus has been preparing men for the establishment of the church. But the church didn't exist until the day of Pentecost. And so the very first time after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that we find people asking how to be saved, this is a first mention of salvation by those that are lost. And whatever details are in this response carry far more weight than any other reference. Doesn't, it, it doesn't mean the others are wrong. It means they refer you back to this one. And the other references may not give every detail this one gives, but it doesn't change the fact that what happened in this one is what has to happen in every one. Are you with me? Just because the details aren't mentioned doesn't mean they're not present. You go back to the first mention to find the details. So we have the very first time after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus that people who are lost ask how to be saved. Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Now when they heard this, they, heard this, they were pricked, they were pricked in, their in their heart and said unto said Peter, to Peter and, and to the rest, rest of the apostles, apostles men, and, men brethren, and brethren, what, what shall, shall we do? We do. This is their question. Tell us how to be saved. Tell us what to do. Now, if Peter says believe on the Lord, then, then I guess that's, but I don't know how that fits into water and spirit. He said you got to be born of water and spirit. It's what Jesus said. So, so if Jesus just says profess with your mouth and believe in your heart, I mean, if Peter says that, somebody's going to have to explain to me how that ties into being born of water and spirit because I don't see it. But whatever Peter says is going to have to tie into what Jesus said with being born of water and spirit. But it also gives us the answer. The first mention of how to be saved. So verse 38, what does he say? Then Peter said unto then them, Peter said unto them repent. repent. That's step number one. You've got to repent. In fact, Jesus' whole ministry revolved. Go back and read it in the Gospels. His whole ministry revolved around the fact that everywhere he went, he preached repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. 
Repent and believe the gospel. Repent or perish. All of these are direct quotes from the Lord. Repentance is absolutely necessary. Now, I tell you what. Hold that verse and go back to Luke chapter 24. Because I'm going to show you that what Peter said was exactly what Jesus instructed him. I didn't have any of this in my notes. We're just going here today. So growth will be several lessons, I can tell you right now. We're not going to get all this. But we've got to establish the birth before we can talk about growth, right? So, so Luke chapter 24, uh, start about verse 47. What does it say? And that repentance. Now, Jesus is, is telling his disciples. In fact, back up uh, verse 45. What does 45 say? Then opened he their understanding. Then opened he their understanding that, that they, they might, might understand, understand the scripture. So nobody can tell me that Peter got it wrong. Jesus divinely gave him understanding. Whatever he says, he's responding out of an understanding that Jesus gave to him divinely. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. I'm telling you, nobody understood the scriptures like these apostles did. They didn't get confused. They didn't make a mistake. They understood it. All right, now, so, so read on. And said unto them, He said unto them, Thus it is written, behoof, and thus, thus it behooved behoof Christ, Christ to suffer, to suffer and to rise from the dead the, the, dead third, the third day. day. Then he says, And that and repentance. That repentance. Everyone say repentance. Repentance. And? And remission of sins. Everyone say remission of sins. Uh-huh. Should be preached in his name. Everyone say in his name. Among uh -huh. all the nations. Yes. Beginning at Jerusalem. Right. And ye are witnesses, of, witnesses these things. of these things. And behold, I and send behold, the promise send, of my Father upon you. Everyone say, the promise of the Father. Uh-huh. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Now look, you've got to understand, this is right before Jesus ascended into heaven. And he told his disciples, he made it very clear to them. He opened their understanding. And then he said, here's what I want you to preach. I want you to preach repentance. I want you to preach remission of sins in my name. I want you to preach the promise of the Father. And all of this is going to start in Jerusalem. And so now we go back to Acts chapter 2. This is in the city of Jerusalem, in the upper room. And they're asking Peter, what must we do to be saved? And now he's got to command three things Jesus said you got to preach. You got to preach repentance. You got to preach uh, a remission of sins in his name. And you got to preach the promise of the Father. So they said to him, What shall we do? In verse 38, then Peter said, said unto, unto them, them repent. repent. There's number one. That's one out of one. One out of three. He's, he's on target. He's batting a thousand so far, right? right. He, he's, I'm telling you, this, he's got this one right. Jesus said, preach repentance, and Peter said, repent. Right. Read. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Now, the second thing that Jesus said, he said, preach remission of sins in my name. So what was the second thing Peter said? Peter said, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. This is how your sins get remitted. you got to be baptized in Jesus' name. Peter's two for two. Remission of sins in Jesus' name that comes through water baptism. And 
then he said, and you shall and receive, you shall the, receive gift the, the gift Ghost. of the Holy Ghost. Read. For the promise, For the is, unto promise you. is unto you and to and your, to your children, children and to and all that are afar off, even, even as many as, as, many as the Lord our God, God shall call. The third thing was preach the promise of the Father. So he said, I'm preaching to you. you got to receive the Holy Ghost because this is the promise of the Father. Jesus said, preach repentance. Peter preached repent. Jesus said, preach remission of sins in my name. Peter said, be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of sins. Jesus said, preach the promise of the Father. Peter said, receive the Holy Ghost because because that's the promise the Father gave. Amen, amen, amen. And so does this fit in with what Jesus said to Nicodemus? Jesus said, no man's getting in unless he's what? Born of water? Put verse 38 back up there if you would. He said, you've got to be born of water and you've got to be born of the Spirit. So what, what, where do we find that in Acts 2.38? Well, I'll tell you where. He said, be baptized. That's born of water. And he said, receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's born of the Spirit. There's nowhere in here that he says profess the Lord or accept the Lord or confess the Lord or just believe on the Lord. He said repent, be baptized in Jesus' name and receive the Holy Ghost because that's being born of water and spirit. And until you've done that, you have not been born again. You have not been born again. Praise God. This is Bible. This is scripture. This is not man's philosophy. I'm giving you the word of God this morning. Praise God. And so this is what the new birth is all about. And, 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 and this is what you have to experience. Every one of us have to experience it. Now, now look, I, I, could, I, I don't want to get off into, into baptism in Jesus' name. Uh, let me just tell you, let me just tell you, most of the church world today does not obey this scripture. First of all, when they baptize people, they do not say in Jesus' name. And Jesus was very clear that remission of sins had to be preached in his name. Now, now other places they're going to take you down and say in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. But that's not the Bible way. In fact, I challenge you to find anywhere in the scripture where anyone did it that way. It just didn't happen. Every example of people being baptized, they only use the name of Jesus. And why not? Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, of things in earth, and things under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There is no other name. Why would we do it any other way? Father's not a name. I am a father, but that's not my name. That's what I am, but it's not who I am. I'm a son, but that's not my name. 
I'm a pastor, but that's not my name. If I was going to sign over some possession I have to you, and I signed that document, Father, Son, and Pastor, what good is that document? It's not going to be valid. It's not going to be held up in court. Because my name's not on it. And when they just say Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, there's no power in that. There's no validity in that. The act is not biblical. Praise God. I, I, I didn't want to get into all of this. I, I, I didn't want to. But here we are. Go over to Matthew 28. We might as well. We're there. We might as well. This is not what I intended to do this morning. I got six pages of notes here on growth, and we hadn't even got past birth yet. All right, so Matthew 28, everybody likes to read verse 19. They say, well, there it is right there. That's the Bible for the way to get baptized. Well, there's a couple things. First of all, never jump into the middle of a conversation without reading the whole conversation because you can get mighty confused. If you miss one important detail, it can change your opinion of everything. You know, I like to tell the story about the man driving through a strange neighborhood. Many of you have heard me tell this. I've told it over and over. But for the sake of those who haven't heard it, the man driving through a strange neighborhood, never been there before. All of a sudden, he whips his car into a driveway at a house he has never visited. He kicks the front door in. He runs upstairs. He grabs the woman of the house and he throws her out the window. Now most people would say that's terrible. That's horrible. What a monster. But see, you missed the first line of the conversation. I didn't, I didn't tell you that part. The first line was the house was on fire. That changes everything. Then you're thankful for a man that kicked the door in and ran upstairs and got her out of the fire. Missing that first sentence changes everything. And many people want to go to Matthew 28, 19, but they miss verse 18. And 19 doesn't make sense until you read 18. So let's start with verse 18. Jesus came and, Jesus spake, came unto them and saying, spake unto them saying, All power. All power is given, is unto, given me. unto us. All power is shared among us. We are all co-equal. That's not what he said. He said all power is given unto is me. given unto me in heaven and in earth. Jesus said, I'm the one that's got all the power. Then he says, Go ye therefore. Whoa, go ye what? Therefore. The word therefore. Anytime you see it, you want to see what it's there for? 
The reason this is there is because it means in light of what I just said. What did he just say? He just said, I'm the one who has all power. Because I'm the one who has all power. Because I have all power, you go and teach all nations Baptizing and baptize them, them in the name, in of, the the name of the Father and of, and the, of the Son and of, and the, of Holy the Holy Ghost. Because I have all power, go and baptize in the name. Now, I would, know, I, would, I would call to your attention, first of all, this is a singular word. There is no S here. It's not names. It's name. There is one name. That applies to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. There's only one name. So let's see. Let's go to John 5 and 43. John 5 and 43. Again, Father is not a name. Father is a title, but it's not a name. And Jesus said you've got to baptize in the name. Now, now look, if I were to say to Brother Goff, go stand Go stand in the foyer. And he just grabbed that microphone and said, go stand in the foyer. Would he be obeying me? All he's doing is repeating my words. There's a difference between repetition and obedience. Jesus didn't say repeat after me in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. He said go and baptize in the name. So we got to find out what the name is. John 5 and 43 I come in my Jesus Father's name. Jesus is speaking. Jesus is speaking. And Jesus said, I came in my Father's name. So whatever name he came in is the Father's name. He came in the name Jesus. Therefore, the Father's name is Jesus. Matthew 121. Matthew 121. I know he's having to look all this up. I don't have it printed for him, so... He's, he's give, him, give him some time. And if any of you think you're going to be faster, give, give, him, give him some time here. You got it? Matthew 121. And she shall bring forth a son. She shall bring forth a son. And thou shalt call his name Jesus. You'll call his name what? Jesus. So the name of the son is Jesus. Are we starting to see a little bit of a pattern here? Are we starting to see a little bit of a pattern here? The name of the Father is Jesus. The name of the Son is Jesus. How about the name of the Holy Ghost? John 14, 26. John chapter 14 and verse number 26. <coughs> Praise God. John 14, 26. But the, comforter, but the Comforter, which is the, which Holy, is Ghost, the Holy Ghost, whom the Father, whom the will, Father send will send in, my, in name. my name. So the Holy Ghost came in the same name that Jesus came in, which is the same name that belongs to the Father. So that name is Jesus. The name of the Father is Jesus. The name of the Son is Jesus. The name of the Holy Ghost is Jesus. We don't repeat the titles Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. We baptize in the name of Jesus. Well, praise God. All right, all right. This is, we're talking about what it takes to be born again. This is the new birth. 
So you've got to be born of water, Jesus said. And that's being baptized in Jesus' name. You've got to be born of the Spirit. That's receiving the Holy Ghost. Now, how far do I go into this? Acts chapter 2. First mention, first mention, first mention. First time anybody received the Holy Ghost. Details there that may not appear in other mentions, but the details don't change. Acts chapter 2. What's verse 4 tell us? And they were all filled were all with the filled. Holy Ghost. This is the first time. This is the first time. The book of John, chapter 7, the Bible says the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. And so until after Jesus' glorification, after his resurrection, nobody could receive this gift of the Holy Ghost. Until after that was over. But now, for the very first time after he was glorified, they were all what? Filled, filled with the Holy, with the Holy Ghost. Ghost. And what happened when they were filled with the Holy Ghost? And began to speak began with other to tongues. speak with other tongues as the Spirit, as the Spirit gave, them, gave utterance. them utterance. So the only way that you know that somebody received the Holy Ghost, they'll speak in other tongues. This is the first mention. Now get, go over to John chapter 3 and verse, you know, there's so much in John chapter 3. Everybody thinks verse 16 is the only verse in the whole chapter. I mean, honestly, how many people do you know that the only verse out of John chapter 3 they can quote is verse 16? And that's the middle of the conversation again. You've, you've already missed everything that's been going on up to that point. There's a whole lot more. You want to jump down to verse 16 and Jesus just, just talks about those that believe on him. Whosoever believeth on him. But you can't do that because, because if that's all that's necessary, then he just changed his mind between verse 5 and verse 16. He didn't change his mind. There's a connection. There's a connection. you got to believe, the Bible says, as the Scripture hath said. In fact, where, where are you? You're in, you're in, John, you're in John chapter 3. Oh, um, go down to uh, go over to chapter seven and verse thirty-eight, John seven and thirty-eight, and and let's look at this. We want to talk about believing. You know, whosoever believeth on him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Let's talk about what it means to believe for just a minute. John chapter seven, verse thirty-eight says, "What he that believeth on he me, that believeth, everyone say believeth, believeth." Now, this is the same Jesus that's talking. In John 3.16, he says you got to believe. But in John 7.38, he also talks about believing, and he says here's what's going to happen if you've really believed. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture, as the scripture hath said, has said, out of his, out of his belly shall flow shall rivers, rivers of, of living water. water. Read. But this spake he, of the, he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy, Holy Ghost, Ghost was, was not yet, yet given, given because, because that Jesus was not, not yet, glorified. yet glorified. And so here's what he says. You don't really believe until you've received the Holy Ghost. So don't tell me John 3.16 is the plan of salvation. It's not. You haven't believed until you've been born of water and born of the Spirit. Now, back to being born of the Spirit, receiving the Holy Ghost. Now, let's go back to chapter 3, John chapter 3, and, and verse 8. Got a little sidetracked there because we're, 
hung up on verse 16 so much. So many people are. 16 is a good verse. Thank God for it. I thank God for it. Most people don't understand it. But I thank God for it. I thank God for the truth of what's said in John 3.16. Not for what the world says it means, but what it really means. In fact, I'll just tell you now, maybe when we get through this, I'll show you. We'll use scripture to interpret scripture. That's the way you're supposed to do it. But John 3.16 can only be fully understood when you look at 1 John 3.16. And most people don't know 1 John 3.16. They only know John 3.16. But you've got to take the two verses together. All right, so we'll do that in a moment. But, but let's, let's talk about this Holy Ghost here for just a moment. John chapter 3 and verse 8 says this. The wind bloweth the wind blows where, it where it wants to. And thou hearest the sound and thereof. And you hear the sound of it when it blows. But canst not tell whence it cometh. But you don't cometh, know where it comes and from. And whither it goeth. And you don't know where it's going to. So is everyone. So are some people. So is everyone. So are many people. So are most people. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Now, Jesus said there's a lot of things about the wind you don't understand. But there's one thing about the wind that's absolute, it's certain, it's definite. And then he said everybody that's born of the Spirit, there's going to be one thing like the wind that's definite and certain. What is the one thing that's certain? We don't know where it's coming from. That's not certain. We don't know where it's going to. That's not certain. The only thing that's certain, you hear the sound of it. Interestingly, in the original, the word sound is, is the Greek word phone. Not phony. Phone. And it is the word from which we get our modern word telephone or phonograph. The word phone actually means a, a sound. Or, more specifically, a language. That's what phone means. That's why a telephone, you're transmitting a language. A phonograph, you're, you're, you're playing a language. Phone, language. And here's what he said. The wind blows where it wants to, but you'll always hear the language of the wind. And then he said, so is everyone that's born of the Spirit. When you're born of the Spirit, there's going to be a language that lets everybody know that you've been born of the Spirit. That language is when you speak in tongues as the Spirit of God. Not somebody teaches you how to do it. Not repeat after me. But the Spirit gives you the ability to speak. You're saying words you don't even understand. You don't know what they mean, but the Spirit of God is moving on you. That's when you know you've been born of the Spirit. So to be born again, you've got to be born of water, which is baptized in Jesus' name, and you've got to be born of the Spirit, which is receiving the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues. And if you haven't done either of those things, you have not been born again. And if you've not been born again, you cannot enter God's kingdom. That's not me. That's what Jesus said. All right, now, I promised you that I would deal with, with John 3.16. So let's look at it real quick. Um, if you've got 1 John 3.16, just hold on to that and, and mark that, and let's go read John 3.16 first, and, and um, let's start there. John 
says this. Most of you know it, but let's read it anyhow so everybody knows I'm not pulling the wool over their eyes. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, God so loved the world that he gave, gave his, his only, only begotten, begotten Son, Son, that whosoever, whosoever believeth, in, believeth him in him should not, should perish, not perish, but have everlasting, have everlasting life. life. Now, the Bible talks about God giving his Son. And so people say, see, this is one person of the Godhead giving another person the Godhead. I submit to you that's not love. That's not love. Now, I don't have a physical son. Brother Goff is one of my sons in the gospel. If this building were to catch on fire, and, and, and Brother Goff's the only one that got out of here on time, and the rest of us are in here trapped and we're burning. Brother, Brother Goff and I, I should say, the two of us, we, we got quick access out this side door. The two of us can run on out there. and The rest of the church, you're surrounded in flames. What are you going to do? I want to know how you would feel about me hollering back into the sanctuary and say, don't worry, I love you so much, I'm sending my son to get you. Brother Goff, go ahead. That's how much I love these people. You wouldn't call me a hero. You'd call me a coward. And yet people say, oh, what love God had. God looked down and saw we needed to be saved, so he told his son to come die for us. That's not love. That's not love. We don't understand this verse until we look at 1 John 3.16. So let's look at 1 John 3.16. Hereby perceive we the this love of God. This is how we know the love of God. Because he laid down his life now, for now, us. Now, here's another grammar lesson for you. You ready for this English grammar? The word he is a pronoun. It's got to refer back to an antecedent. It's got to refer back to a noun. The noun here is God. That's the subject. This is how we know the love of God because he, that is God, did what? Laid down his life he for us. He laid down his life for us. He didn't send somebody else. God laid down his life for us. So we don't understand John 3.16 until we understand the one that came was not a separate person from the Father. The one that came was the Father robed in flesh. Uh, let's see, 1 Timothy 3.16. I'm, boy, I'm giving you, this is Bible sword drill day today, Brother Goff. We've read one scripture off that page, and we didn't even read it off the page because we had others to read with it. So uh, 1 Timothy 3.16 says this. Without controversy. Great is the mystery, is the of, mystery godliness. of godliness. God was wait manifest. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Not, not the Son of God. Not one part of God, not one member of the Godhead, but God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. God was. God was. There's only one God. Hear, O Israel, Deuteronomy 6 and 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. There's only one God. There's only one God. There has ever, 
there's, there's never been more than one God. Never will be more than one God. And that one God was manifest, that word means made known, in the flesh. He was made known in the flesh. That one God came to us. Go over to John again, John chapter 1, Lord Jesus. We just call this Doctrine Sunday. How's that? John chapter 1, verse 1. In the, beginning in the beginning was the Word. Was the Word. And the Word was the with word God. The Word was with God. And the Word was and God. And the Word was not a God, not one part of God. The Word was God. Now, this is a Jewish man writing this, if you didn't know. John was a Jew. John was raised believing in the Shema. Deuteronomy 6 and 4. John only knew one God, and that was Yahweh. Adonai. Elohim. That's the only God that John knew. And John said the word was God. Not a separate person from God. It was God. Now, word here is not rhema, which is the Greek for, like, our vocabulary, our words that we speak. That would be a rhema, a spoken word. This word is lagos. And lagos is, is much more than just a word. It's an entire concept. Really, the, the best best way that I can explain what Lagos is, is a blueprint. Did you understand a blueprint? The blueprint shows you the walls are going to be here, and, and the electrical is going to go here, and the lights will be put here, and there's, there's going to be a door here, and windows here, and the elevation is going to be this. And the, the blueprint shows Everything, it's the entire concept of what the building will become. In the beginning, God had a plan. God had a blueprint because God knew we needed to be saved. God knew that we were lost. But from the very beginning, he had a plan. God already had the blueprint drawn up. Doesn't the Bible refer to the lamb slain from the foundation of the world? God was not surprised Adam and Eve sinned. He knew they were going to sin. And God already had a plan to deal with it. We've had building plans drawn up for many years now. Haven't used them yet, but the plans are there. God had a plan. In the beginning, God had a logos. He had a plan. And he had it there with him. And that plan was God. He was the plan. Not the plan was God sending someone else. But the plan was God. That's the plan. 
But here's the problem. God is a spirit, John 4 and 24 tells us. He's a spirit. A spirit does not have flesh and blood. And only by the shedding of blood can we find remission of sins. Are you with me? But if God's a spirit, he doesn't have blood, he can't shed blood to remit our sins. So God's got to fix this problem. He's got a plan. The plan is the shedding of blood. But he's a spirit and doesn't have blood. So how's he going to fix the plan? Well, we find out the answer in verse 14 of this chapter. John 1 and verse number 14 says this. And the word was made flesh. And the logos, flesh. the logos, the plan was made flesh. And dwelt, and among, dwelt us. among us. And we beheld, and we his, beheld glory. his glory. The glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full, full of, grace of grace and, and truth. truth. I'm going to tell you what the plan was. God said, I can't do it as a spirit, so I'm going to take on flesh. I'm going to put on a body that's got blood, and I'm coming down there, and I'm going to give my own life to save you. It's not God. Sending another person, it's God coming Himself. Now that is love. So back to the analogy the building's on fire. Brother Golf and I are on the outside. And I said, Church, don't worry. I love you. I'm going to see to it you make it out. The problem is that as I stand here right now, I can't go in the flames either. So I'm going to go get an asbestos suit. And I'm going to put on this suit that's going to protect me from the flames. And when I clothe myself in this suit, I'm coming in there where you are and I'm going to get you out. That's what God did. He said, right now I'm a spirit. I can't shed any blood because I don't have blood. But I'm going to put on a suit. And it's a suit of flesh. And I'm going to clothe myself in flesh. And I'm coming down there to where you are. And I'm going to walk among you. And I'm going to heal the sick. I'm going to, I'm going to reach down. I'm going to raise the dead. I'm going to open blinded eyes. I'm going to feed the hungry. But most of all, I'm going to give my life to save you. Now that is love. Oh, Jesus. Luke one thirty-five. I didn't intend to go anyways this morning. Hallelujah. We'll deal with growth next week. Luke 135. All right, all right. Luke one thirty-five. You got that? Now, this is when Gabriel, the angel, appeared to Mary. And he's got a message for her from God. And Gabriel's going to talk to Mary. And here's what Gabriel says. And the angel answered and said the unto her, and said unto her the, Holy the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. Okay, now, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on, hang on. I, I, might, as well just, I might as well just dig into this. All right, now, look, we're all adults in here. I can just, I'm not going to be crude, but I'm just going to be plain. I've traveled the world, and I've learned, I've seen that it's a fact. I don't care where you are. I don't care what your race, your nationality. I don't care. 
or human beings, this is the way it works. No matter who a woman is married to, whoever causes her to get pregnant, that's the father. Whoever causes the woman to be with child, that's the father. Now, the church world tells you that there's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Right? But which one came on Mary to make her get pregnant? Now, if the Holy Ghost came on Mary to make her get pregnant, but the Holy Ghost is a different person from the Father, we got a problem. Because the Holy Ghost was the one who fathered that child. So if it's two different people, we've got a real problem on our hands. Either Jesus had two fathers, and I actually heard some perverted supposed preacher say that in a prayer. Somebody, somebody, Brother Self or somebody shared it with me. Got up in front of a church and was praying to, to I don't even know what all junk was being spouted, but at one point they said something about about uh, the son who had two fathers. Now, yeah, it was very twisted, to say the least. But, but anyhow, that, that's, Jesus didn't have two fathers. Now, he had an earthly father that raised him. If you want to say it that way, then I guess you would say it, but but biologically, he didn't have two fathers. Biologically, he had one father, as any of us do. Right? And biologically, that one father is the Holy Ghost. And if the father is the first person and the Holy Ghost is the third person, we got a real problem. Because the third person becomes the father and not the father. So the Father's not the Father. The Holy Ghost is the Father. So either Jesus had two fathers, which he didn't, or he was confused about who his father was, which he wasn't, or there is absolutely no difference between the Holy Ghost and the Father. They're just two different titles for the same one. That's the only thing that makes any sense. I said a while ago, I'm a father, I'm a son, I'm a pastor. You know, the, all of those are just titles of relationship. I use this example all the time. I don't go home and tell my wife, your pastor would like something to eat. And I don't come before this congregation and say to you, your husband is preaching to you. Each of those are descriptive titles. Both of them accurate for my positions. But my relationship determines which title is appropriate at the moment. When you're talking about father, that's a title for the one who created us. The one who oversees all things. But when you're talking about Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit, that's a title for the same one. But in this case, the relationship is the working inside of us. It's just a different title for the same being. 
That's the only way we can look at this. But that's not really what I wanted to point out here. And I've only got 15 minutes. But, 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 but that's, that's worth talking about because Jesus was not conceived by the Father. He was conceived by the Holy Ghost. In fact, if, if, if one scripture is not enough, because I have taught you that out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established, we can go over to Matthew chapter 1 and get two more scriptures and prove to you that, that the Holy Ghost is the one who's the Father. First of all, Matthew 1, verse 18. Matthew 1 and 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. Uh-huh. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, yeah. before they came together, she was found to she was found with child found of with the child Holy Ghost. Of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost was the one. That's witness number two. Skip down now to verse number uh, twenty. Verse twenty. But while he thought on these things, while Joseph thought about these things, behold, the angel of the, the Lord, the angel appeared unto to Joseph. Him. Appeared unto him in a dream, in a dream, saying, "Joseph, saying, Joseph, thou son of thou David, son of David, fear not to take be thee Mary thy to wife, to take your wife, for that because which is conceived that in her, which is conceived in her, is of, is the, Holy of the Holy Ghost." That's witness number three. It was the Holy Ghost that impregnated Mary. So, 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 Holy Ghost and Father are just, just different terms of relationship for the same being it's not it's not two different people now we're not finished with Luke 135 we're still at Luke 135 I, I know I've been having to flip back and forth here but Luke 135 I got to get this in before I quit because we, you got to explain I, I, you got to understand about this term the son what does that mean we talk about the son Luke 135 says this the angel answered and said unto her, uh-huh. The Holy Ghost Holy shall Ghost come upon thee, come on you. and the power, power of the highest, highest shall overshadow, overshadow thee. thee. Therefore also that holy that thing, holy thing which shall which be, born, shall of be thee, born of thee shall be, shall called, be called the Son the of son. God. So only that which Mary gave birth to is all that we call the Son of God. Are you with me? When we talk about the Son of God, it's only that which came from the womb of Mary. Now, what did Mary? Mary is not the mother of God. She's the mother of the Son of God. And the difference is this, that only that which was born of Mary. Now, what what did Mary give birth to? Can, can we go to one more verse here? And, and I, I really, I've got to close. But, but, but let's go back to John chapter 3. Like I said, there's a whole lot in John chapter 3 that people just don't even know is there. I mean, you know, it, it seems like to me they could figure out that because it's verse 16, there has to be at least 15 verses before it. Somehow they just can't quite get that through their minds. But in John chapter 3, and, and um, let's get verse 6 now. We've, we've talked about a lot of these verses, but let's get verse 6. That which is born of the that flesh, which is born of flesh is flesh. Is flesh. And that which and is that born, which of, the is spirit born spirit of spirit is spirit. So the angel said to Mary, that which is born of you is what we call the Son of God. What was Mary? Was Mary a spirit? 
No. Mary was flesh. So what did Mary give birth to? That which is born of flesh is flesh. What did Mary give birth to? Flesh. So the Son of God was the flesh. It's not a separate person. It's that outer coat that the Father took on. As a spirit, he dawned a fleshly body. And the fleshly body is what we call the Son of God. My flesh is not my spirit. There is a difference between my flesh and my spirit. But they're not two different people. And the flesh and spirit of the man Christ Jesus, they're not two different people. But Jesus plainly said, I don't do these works on my own, but my Father which dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. It was the Father, the Spirit on the inside of that fleshly body that was performing miracles. It was the Spirit on the inside of him that allowed him to walk on the water. It was the Spirit on the inside of him that allowed him to raise from the dead. It was the Spirit, the Father, that indwelt that fleshly body. Well, praise God. So we're not talking about three persons or two persons in the Godhead. We're talking about two natures, a divine nature and a human nature, wrapped up in one. For the man Christ Jesus, he was both God and man. On the inside, he was the eternal God. But on the outside, he was a man. Praise God. Well, I guess you're playing. You, My wife is so good at this, and I'm so thankful she can figure out something to play this morning. I, I've been all over the place. I, I don't know if there's ever been a time that I've just sat down and gave you a thumbnail picture of all of the basic gospel, including the Godhead, all on the same day. Usually I get on one or the other, and that's as far as we get. But to give you all of it in one day, that's, that's, that's uh, a new one for me. We'll just have to mark this one, and we have somebody that needs a, a Bible study. So here, listen to this. Listen to this for an hour, and we'll take you through it. It'll explain how to get saved. It'll explain who God is. You get everything you need right there. One hour. It's all right there. I'm glad I know who Jesus is. I'm glad that I don't, you know, honestly, I, I've, I've heard from Trinitarians who say, I don't even know who to pray to. I'm worried that I'm going to pray to the wrong person or, or that I'm not going to spend enough time and one of them is going to get offended. What nonsense. You don't have to worry about that. When you say Jesus, you've said it all. You want to get Colossians 2 and 9 for me? I said I was done. I lied. I'm sorry. I didn't lie. I just didn't intend to go there, but here we are. You can stand this morning. Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. Listen, they say that Jesus is the second person in the Godhead. I submit to you biblically, Jesus is not even in the Godhead. He's not in the Godhead. Colossians 2 and 9 says this. For in him, for in, him dwell, in Jesus, dwelleth, dwelleth all, all the, fullness the fullness of the, of the Godhead, Godhead bodily. Jesus is not in the Godhead. The Godhead is in Jesus. That's the truth of the matter. It's all in him. It's all in him. The fullness of the Godhead is all in him. 
Come on, somebody. It's all in him. It's all in him. The mighty God is Jesus, and it's all in him. That's why we're baptized in Jesus' name, because he's the only one there is. And when you read about Father or Son or Spirit, you're just reading about titles of, of, of relationship. You're not reading about different people. He was the Father in creation. He was the Son because he had to take on that fleshly body to die for us. So he was the Son in redemption. And he's the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit because he dwells on the inside of us to regenerate us and redeem us. Oh, I'm glad I know who he is. I'm glad I know who he is. Why don't we lift our hands and thank God today? Come on, let's give God some praise.